This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I am super excited for today because we have none other than ace mortgage broker, Kyle Green, owner of the Green Mortgage Team, one of the biggest mortgage outfits in uh, the country. And and growing. And as, growing. As we talk about on on this, uh, on this on the show today. Absolutely. And we have, uh, well, you should tell the origins of why we're having Kyle on so the show. So here's the thing. We've had Kyle on the show quite recently, back in 2021. Right. Um, I'd say sometime in the fall. Can't remember exactly when. But here's basically what's happened, right? Uh, this is, we called an audible to get Kyle back on the show right now. Inflation rates just came out December 4.8. That's the highest inflation since 1991. The Bank of Canada is meeting, we're Thursday. The Bank of Canada is meeting six days from now. And all the speculation around rising interest rates, what they're going to do. It was supposed to happen in March or April. Now it might happen next week. Who's to say? No one knows. My stomach's in knots. So here's the thing. I've been talking to a lot of people about inflation, real estate, investing more generally. What does this all mean? And I really, somewhat selfishly, wanted to get Kyle on a call just to pick his brain about how to strategize in these uncertain times when it comes to real estate financing. And I thought, why don't we hit record? Yeah. And this is the thing. So you've taken basically a selfish venture. Yes. And turned it into a public service. It sounds like that's, yeah, that's what I do. You, this is, <laughs> this is what you don't <laughs> usually do, but you did it well today. All right. Well, this is fantastic. I can't wait for this. 
Uh, I'm uh, I, I'm really happy with how the conversation turns out. Yeah, I am on the edge of my seat about January 26. What's going to happen with the Bank of Canada? And also, my understanding is um, before we cut for today, you have had a lot going on medically, and I and and I and I'm not. We're not going to a dark place here. You're you're fine. You're healthy. I'm healthy. Yeah, but yeah. you had COVID. I had. I did have COVID. Um, yeah, and I think I you, described that. Did I describe that last you week? You described it last right. week. I've had some texts from people checking in, thanking me for making their holiday seem so much nicer. Yeah. Uh, but, You're welcome. And, 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 and checking in on your well-being, of course. Then you get a physical. And it's been a while since you've had a physical. Yeah, about 25 years. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, got, I, I had a physical last, last week. It's, right. Uh, I'm about... And you're Eight, post 40. You're post 40. So there's <laughs> things you, you should do at physicals that you probably didn't do when you were 25. That's safe right. Safe to say? Th- that is safe, safe to say. So here, here's a story. I, I meet. The, don't go too graphic. I can't handle it. No, no, no. I, 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 I've, I've met. It's a n- new relationship with this doctor. Okay. And I thought in my, you know, in my recollections. You, well, you still thinking that you're 25, which is, I thought a, I is went a in, constant theme in, in this podcast I, and in your life. You I, always think you're younger than everybody. Well, Ridiculous when, idea. When, when, when I met him last time, I remember it being, oh, I'm going for a physical. And, you know, it was like, how you feeling? I said, fine. We did some blood work. That was it. Right. I was like, man, that was the best physical. I can't believe I'm, you know, terrified of doctors. This is crazy. I I should be doing this once a year. That might be the marking of a not a great physical, though. If you just say hi and bye. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, and but I thought, oh, the blood work. You know, this is my type of doc. You know, is in and out. Right. Uh, turns out it was a meet and greet, and that was not a not physical. Phys- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was about two years ago. I go back this week or last week. I have no. You're like I'm not nervous at all. You're thinking I'm like, this is physical number yeah, two. Yeah, I'm like gonna walk in. You know, everything's great. Uh, I'll get some blood work and and on my way. Uh, much more invasive and post forty invasive, and by that I mean kind of traumatically invasive. So this is uh, <laughs> you. You start to get into the uh, the prostate work in your uh, pro- post forty. Yeah. I don't know if they call it the prostate work, but yeah, they no, that's check, what the they books call it. The oh, is that right? Work. No, I don't know. I would decide. <laughs> well, you're more on top of this than me. Yeah. I wasn't expecting uh, to have um, a prostate exam. Well, they say they say uh, you should start around 40. That's what they say. And that's probably why it, it happened this time. Um, I hope this doesn't mean you're going to take another 25 let, years let, off. No, no, no. I'm happy I did it. Speaking of public service announcements, what I will just say, and this is not to say everybody should get, get this Every every man should get this done. Yes. I wasn't expecting it. I was very, very nervous when I found out it was going to happen. Uh, I think I had a vision in my head of how bad it was going to be, and it, it might have been worse. Well, the, the goal here is not to scare people. <laughs> it was it was The, the, part of the, the PSA was, is not to scare people no, away but from it. Let's just say I, I, I left the office. It was just on re, like a replay in my head. I was thinking okay. about it. So this is the closest you've had to PTSD. Yeah, this is yeah. Talk, yeah. Speaking of world's smallest violin, but yeah. Three days later, I bring my daughter back. She's doing a meet and greet with him because long story, but he's a great doctor. Want you to wanted get, to get I, your I, daughter. I wanted to get her, yeah, yeah hard him. to get a doctor in the city. It is hard to get a doctor in the city. That's right. And uh, I walk in, and I'm thinking, this is potentially an awkward encounter. Like, you know, I was crying the last time. Yeah. Uh, 
field position. He doesn't even remember my name. So wait, hang on a second. <laughs> so I say, hey, doc, like you, you'll remember me from such, yeah, such, such episodes as, of as such as Tuesday. Yeah. And he was like, do we know each other? Biggest events in my life yeah. Tuesday. And he, he was, he didn't know who you were. He needed me to remind him of my name. Wow. And, uh, but this is, I think when you, you know, it's, it's kind of when it's a big event for you, like, I'm, I'm just thinking like, I, you know, I remember getting, uh, I had a hockey thing. I had broke a tooth. I got my, yeah. this crown with, uh, he was actually a denturist who did it, um, for cash, uh, late at night, <laughs> friend of a friend. Um, it was a big, usually worked on horses. <laughs> exactly. Um, he also took a, a, a bullet out of my arm. Uh, but the the crazy thing about it was that it was super memorable for me because I'm, you know, I'm in this chair for hours. It's it really it's it's a very invasive type of yeah, not uh, not quite the same, but yeah, go yeah, on. Very, very yeah, <laughs> kind of the same thing. He didn't have to buy me dinner. Uh, but here's the thing. So. I, I get this uh, this thing done, but this guy couldn't pick me out of a lineup. He does these crowns on horses yeah. twice a week. <laughs> Fortunately, my mouth uh, resembles one of a horse, so uh, yeah, no problem. Um, anyways, this also is a show about about real estate, so right. we should uh, we have a sponsor though before we cut the oh interview right with of course yeah we do we have a sponsor that is Oakland Realty. This is our brokerage, best brokerage in the city. One thing that Oakland's doing right now and uh only <laughs> free prostate <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, Michael and Morgan. You're the best. They're the, they're the greatest. Uh Michael just did a business planning session, a webinar. Just yes. phenomenal, phenomenal guidance. It's it's an incredible brokerage. If you're a new agent, somebody looking to make a change, aspiring agent, you want to get the lay of the land, head over, and I can't stress this enough, head over to Oakland.com slash join, type in VRP2020. That's oakwin.com slash join, type in VRP2020. Not only will you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, you get a huge incentive for heading to oakwin.com slash join and typing in VRP2020. That promo code is important. But Adam, maybe we should cut to the real estate. Absolutely. And as a final PSA, if you are 40 years old and you are getting a physical, don't let, yeah. don't let Matt sway you. No. Get your prostate checked. It's the right thing to do. And without further ado, I feel much better for it. Let's talk to Kyle Green. Kyle Green. Okay, so we're here with Kyle Green, owner of the Green Mortgage Team. How you doing, Kyle? Pretty good, except I have COVID. Right. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I was, yeah, I was exactly. like, when are we going to bring this yeah. up? How, how can I bring this up? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, your standards reply usually is, great, I'm doing great. And then it's like, uh, actually, I'm not doing great. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand, fortunately, it's been so far the course of your COVID has been quite mild. Is that right? And you're coming out the other side, right? I am. Yeah, it's it's basically like like a flu that's lasted a, a fairly long time. So last uh, last week, I started getting some symptoms, had a headache, started getting really tired. And the next morning, I woke up. I'm like, I think this might be this might be COVID. So overall, I'm assuming it's the Omicron variant. It's it's rather tame, and it just seems like that variant is spreading through spreading through everyone like wildfire. So right, right. And, and we understand you've been on the horse medicine. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do a Joe Rogan thing here. 
No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Kyle, you've been on the show a number of times, and uh, our listeners will definitely know uh, Green Mortgage Team and yourself. But for our listeners that are unfamiliar with you, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I've been a mortgage broker for 15 years. I've been working primarily with real estate investors for 13 years. So that's was since 2008. Most of what I do is educating people on how to invest in real estate and how to build wealth using real estate. I've got a big team, about 18 people on our team. So we have a residential and a commercial division. So we do residential and, and commercial financing. And uh, yeah, a big part of what we do is just educating people on you know, where they're at and where they want to be in the next five or 10 years and creating a, a game plan. Right. And somewhat selfishly, I feel like I'd like to start with what I think everybody's kind of wondering right now in the market, because we're talking rate increases. You must be talking about this kind of ad nauseum at this point. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's a hot topic that comes up quite often. And so here's, here's my take on the rates and what's going on is, I mean, truthfully, if I knew where rates are heading and I had that crystal ball, I probably wouldn't be sitting in the rain, rain Coover right now. I'd probably be sitting on a beach somewhere sipping margaritas instead. But here's the take on it. I think it's always hard to predict interest rates. Um, the general consensus is that rates are going up, and I do believe that. The tough part is just wondering how by how much. And so we see a lot of economists predicting that interest rates are going to be rising aggressively this year and, and into next year. And I'm not sure if I 100% buy that. Here, here's the thing about predicting rates. Economists often are looking at you know, the information that they have available for them in front of them today. And when you look at the information available in front of you, there's high inflation, a lot of money has entered the money supply. And you expect, yes, that the Bank of Canada is going to be increasing interest rates in order to combat that. And they're also going to be pulling back on what effectively is a bond buyback program. They're flooding a lot of money into bonds, which pushes down the yields. And as they pull back on the programs, then the bond yields will go up. And that will cause fixed rates to go up. So you expect both fixed and variable rates to start increasing uh, later this year. And the general consensus on that is probably maybe as early as Q2, but probably Q3 is, I think, when you're going to start to see Bank of Canada start to increase interest rates. The tough part is how much, though. I'm in the camp that they might go up by a half to three quarters of a point this year. And if you read some economist predictions, they're thinking maybe as many as six quarter point increases by the end of the year. And I think that's probably fairly aggressive. And the tough thing about predicting interest rates is it's always the unforeseen circumstances to push rates down. And economists can't predict that. They can't put into their, their charts and say, hey, you know, in the event that some random thing comes up that I can't see, then interest rates might come back down. So they're always working with the information they have, you know, subprime crisis, COVID, 9-11, uh, Brexit, things like that have an inverse effect on rates and push them down. But it's hard to predict those things. And so... When will that next event come up and how, what kind of effect will that have on interest rates and how much might it either stop them from increasing or even push them back down in the future? That's the tough part of predicting rates. Do you think Omicron has had any kind of impact on uh, timelines or delaying things a little bit? It definitely has. Yeah. Like if you look at a, a five-year bond yield is, is really the best way of predicting what's happening with fixed rates. And there was definitely a... Um, a tempering of, of expectations and interest rates when you look at that. So Omicron started to come up, you know, in, I don't know if it was late November or early December, but, but all of a sudden when Omicron started to come out, interest rates on bonds had dropped about from peak to trough, they had dropped about 0.4%. Now they've since slowly started to increase back up to where they were back in late November, 
But news like that definitely has an impact. As soon as Omicron started coming out, all of the time, interest rates start to drop. And I remember the day that Omicron was kind of announced or started to come through the media outlets that Friday, that's when bonds actually dropped. And if I look at the chart, actually, it dropped off a cliff from 1.55 to 1.4 in one day. And that's a pretty big jump downwards. It's a pretty steep, steep drop. So things like that, things like the potential of Evergrande in China, the largest Chinese developer potentially going into receivership. And I think that's still kind of in the works and nobody really knows what the end result will be there. Things like that could have a large negative impact on interest rates. And so Omicron is no, uh, there's no slouch when it comes to that. Kyle, when, when we talk to people, you know, their first reaction to rates going up, you know, home buyers, potential sellers, is that it's going to have some impact on prices. But in, in your experience, what typically happens when rates are increased? Like what's the typical trajectory for the market or for maybe even just trends for buyers and sellers? Yeah, I mean, you're going to find a few people will start to, it may be another factor if they're trying to find a home and they can't and they're, they're worried about their budget. And then finally, rates have moved up like, ah, whatever, they might just, that might be the last straw that broke the camel's back type of thing. But it's with a quarter point increase here, quarter point increase there, it doesn't normally affect buyer behavior from what I can see, not on a large scale anyways. But all of a sudden, if you fast forward a year and now interest rates are 1% higher and prices are 10% higher, then there's going to be a certain number of people that, uh, and I've noticed this trend for sure, it's detached or bust. Like if I can't buy a house, then I'm not buying anything, right? And so if you've seen interest rates go up by 1% and the values have gone up by 10%, then I think that they might say, eh, well, now that these two things have happened at the same time, I might, I might not do it. But if we see a reverse trend where maybe if prices, I don't predict this, but if prices started to drop, even if interest rates were rising, I think that interest rates alone would not turn away a lot of buyers from, from entering in, into the marketplace. Do you see with people that have rate holds, you you know, typically, I mean, at least Matt and I, over the years, we've seen a lot of our buyers who have, say, like a 90-day rate hold and a good rate will rush to try and find something before their rate hold expires. Do you anticipate that even with a quarter percent increase? It helps a little bit, but you know what's really, you know, the biggest challenge is, is finding product. Like every conversation I have right now with a client is, a, is revolving around how do you find a house? The last call I was on just 30 minutes ago, the client said, I don't know if this is true, but there's no homes in Coquitlam right now, at least probably no homes that are suitable, right? And so until the supply problem is fixed, and I don't know how long that's going to take, until that problem is fixed, I think that's the biggest issue. We've got a long laundry list of clients that are pre-approved looking for homes and interest rates keep climbing up. And that's not really the thing that's holding them back. It's just, Kyle, we can't make a move on this until we find a home that's suitable. And there's just, there's two homes in the marketplace in the area that we like and two come up in one week and there's 30 bidders for those two homes and only two people will win, right? In your experience, does increases in interest rates shake loose supply? Mm. Or what impact does it have on inventory? Yeah. If any. Interesting. I don't know if it had a major impact on the inventory. I haven't seen a correlation. I'm sure there is some kind of correlation, but I don't. I would say that um, correlation does not also mean causation, right? I wouldn't say that there's a direct impact, no. Right. Yeah, I, it's interesting because, I mean, you think that we are occasionally having conversations with sellers. Most sellers are, are moving or selling for, you know, reasons, life reasons, right? Typical reasons that people want to move through the market or leaving Vancouver, et cetera. 
But occasionally you talk to someone who wants to time the market and is concerned about an interest rate increase. Well, yeah, I feel like this spring, there's a. it doesn't feel like much inventory is on its way, but a few of the people I'm talking to are, are really thinking, okay, when's that? Inv- the first one's potentially March. Okay, well, maybe we list, you know, prior to that interest rate increase. Yeah, it's, it's probably an artificial fear that sellers have just trying to think of all the potential headwinds in the market. And here's the problem too, is that, by nature, I'm a logical thinker, and certain people are logical thinkers. But there's also a lot of a lot of buyers and sellers out there that are very emotional, and uh, they don't think like an economist. Not that I'm an economist or anything like that, but I think they're moving on how they feel about something, and it may not be correct, but it doesn't matter because it can still impact the market, right? Kyle, last time we spoke, I think the idea at that point was, hey, 2022, there's undoubtedly going to be some rate increases, but the gap between a fixed rate and a variable rate means that it's still the moment to take advantage of that lower variable rate. And I think I remember you saying, you know, sometime in early 2022, it might be time to lock in. For people that are maybe taking on a mortgage in the first half of this year or the next three months, say, all things remaining the same, is that your advice still? What, what are your thoughts on, on variable versus fixed right now? Yeah, I mean, we saw fixed rates move up earlier than I think most people anticipated. There was some upward movement late last year around September and October, which was earlier than people anticipated. I think a lot of people were anticipating that would have come into 2022. And so it's hard to say, like, if you lock in your your mortgage rate right now, you're probably going from about one and a half percent, give or take on a variable. You're probably going into the high twos right now. And so you're going up nearly one and a half percent. That's six prime rate increases, which would probably, in my opinion, take about two years for the Bank of Canada to start to flush through the system. And so if you expect that the Bank of Canada takes two full years to get up to where you would be if you were in a fixed rate mortgage, and then maybe you're three, now you're above a little bit by you know, 0.75%, and then they continue to climb up. I actually think that if you did the math on it, if there's about three prime rate increases per year, you'd probably be slightly ahead by just sticking with the variable. That's assuming a pretty linear upward movement on the variable rates, which probably is unlikely to happen. There's probably something that comes up in you know, anywhere from one to 24 months that's going to push interest rates down or at least slow that um, progression down a bit. So in my 15 years, I have been fairly pro-variable and I'm more pro-variable today than I have been in the past, even though we're at the, the low end of the, of the cycle right now, primarily because that gap on interest rates. I just feel like with what's happening, there's there's likely to be some kind of negative thing that comes up that's going to push interest rates down again in the next little bit. But also, it's just the mortgage penalties. They're nasty. Like Because of the way that mortgage penalties are calculated with major banks, they take the rate that you have and they look at what discount you got off of the posted rate. Now, posted rates barely move, but yet the fixed rates and the discounts off of those posted rates have increased. And they use that discount they gave you against you when you go to break your mortgage. And unfortunately, it means that they're using a really, really low interest rates to calculate this IRD, this interest rate differential penalty. And it works out, the long story short is that it works out to be five to 10 times more expensive to break a five-year fixed rate mortgage uh, than it would be if you were in a variable rate mortgage. And so that could mean that instead of paying a five grand penalty, you could be paying a twenty-five dollars to a $50,000 penalty to break that mortgage, which is quite substantial. And Nobody ever generally expects that they're going to break that mortgage, but life happens. People get divorced. People have kids and they need a bigger place. And now they're buying a house with a suite in it. And now their bank only uses a certain percentage of the rental income. So now they need to use a credit union that uses more rental income or whatever. And so 
you know, people breaking their mortgages happen. And it's the penalty cost that's really, that really hurts people. And so that's probably the biggest concern I have with people going uh, fixed versus variable is just that penalty cost. It's normally it's like three to five times more expensive than variable. But right now, because of the, the big discounts you get, it's more like five to 10 times more expensive. So it sounds like if I understand, you know, all things considered, no crystal balls, but if you're in a variable rate currently or looking to get a mortgage, white knuckle it through. It's going to feel bad on the way up. Trust me. And you know what happened though? A couple of years ago, fixed rates have gotten up to about 4% back in, I think that would have been late 2017, early 2018. And a lot of people on the way up started locking in. And that generally wasn't our advice, but a lot of people were worried about it and concerned about it. They locked in at like 3.79%. And all of a sudden, you know, a year and a half later, two years later, COVID hits and then interest rates plummet. And if they were in the variable rate, they would have saved thousands of dollars. But now they're stuck in a fixed rate mortgage and in a mortgage contract that is super expensive to get out of. So, you know, that's the tough part. Yeah, I was talking with somebody yesterday who who has a, a very significant mortgage and the carrying costs are quite high. And yeah, his rate currently is like 3.6 or something like that. And it's just, yeah, it almost seems tragic uh, in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but uh, oh, And the funny thing is you zoom out, you know, from a high, high level view, 3.6 is really cheap money, guys. Right, right, <laughs> right of course. But it seems so astronomically high today because you can get one and a half percent if you're getting a variable rate, right? Yeah. The guy who lived through the early 80s is shaking his head at Matt and yeah. fist probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe as a, a final kind of variable fixed question, Kyle, it does look, you mentioned, you know, one and a half versus high twos in terms of a variable being at about one and a half percent right now. And, and we're pushing close to 3%, I guess, again, with a five-year fixed. Do you foresee that gap tightening in the next year or two at any, at any point? Um. Likely, yeah. This is a bigger gap than we're used to. Usually not this much of a gap. And so we're in an odd time where even though the rates are low, the discounts off of prime are very, very competitive. Like it's not commonplace that you see prime minus 1%. There's been probably in in the last 15 years, there's probably been three or four moments where they hang around that type of level for a short period of time. And normally that's another reason to consider a variable rate is that it's where the prime rate is, but it's also what's the discount off of that prime rate, which is the other factor. And that discount is very competitive right now, and it's not normally this good. So it's kind of a weird time to have a low rate, uh, low prime rate, and also a, a deep discount off of that. However, I am starting to see slight upward movement with that discount. So, you know, less lenders are offering really competitive discounts off of their, um, on their uh, variable rate mortgages. So that's starting to go up a little bit. But it's also moving roughly in tandem with how much the fixed rates are moving up. So if they go from prime minus one to prime minus 0.9, at the same time as the fixed rates go up by 0.1%, it's the same gap between between the interest rates. So that being said, I do see that the gap will likely start to shrink, but it might not be it might not shrink to a zero gap. I think that it'll probably go from a one and a half percent or one and a quarter gap to maybe you know, a 0.75% gap over the next one or two years. Kyle, so we're, we're at the beginning of 2022 here. We're seeing record low inventory levels, which we, we already touched on. Very, very strong demand right across the board for area-wise product type. But the flip side of that is we're also seeing the potential policies introduced this year and some other headwinds like interest rates and the potential for more variance as well with COVID. 
What are your thoughts on 2022? What do you think is going to happen this year in the market? I mean, based on what we see today, it seems like it's going to continue. It's, I don't think it'll be 2021 all over again. I think that things are going to get to a point where it's just, it's going to be too unaffordable for too many people. And um, you can't see year over year, you know, price increases of 20%, especially in detached. But I think my take on it is that detached will continue to appreciate at a pretty good clip here for at least the next three to six months. My expectation would be that the price growth will slow down, not saying that the prices will go backwards, but instead of appreciating at 10% rate uh, year over year, maybe it's appreciating at 5% or, or, or even zero. I think the value is probably in downtown condos and it's not happening yet, but I think that that's where when COVID is less of a factor, you're going to see more people starting to come back to the major urban centers. Employers are going to want their employees to be going back to the office of the paint 30 grand a month to, to support in Yaletown or whatever it is. Um, entertainment will come back. We had connects for a little while and now we don't, right? But when connects are back and, and in full steam, people are going to want to be closer to that. I think that the other part too, when we saw this happen in 2016, detached were in 2015 and 2016 are running away. And the gap between condos and detached had widened quite substantially. And then when a couple of rules came out, like the stress test and the uh, foreign buyer tax came out in 2016, the prices for detached dropped a little bit and kind of leveled off. But then condos continued to appreciate for two more years and actually started to close the gap a little bit. I see a very similar trend where I think a lot of people, because of COVID, it's detached or bust. Hey, if we can't buy a detached home, there's no point in doing anything. And that dream is starting to sift through people's fingers a little bit. But I think when the dust settles, a lot of these people will start to reestablish a new baseline for themselves and say, you know what, if we can't buy a house, we should probably get a foot in the door because we don't want to miss out on this. At least we have a foot in the door. We can start to save up some more money. And then when we're ready, we'll buy a detached home when the market's a bit more calm. And so I think that people will start to um, shift a bit more into condominiums. Another thing that I've I've noticed is on the development side, on the supply side, back in, in 2018 and 2019, the market was a lot softer for developers to launch new condo product. And so what a lot of developers were doing is it was at a moment where it was harder for them to sell condo product. And at the same time, through the government, CMHC was offering great incentives for developers to build purpose-built rental condos. And so you can get wicked interest rates and 95% financing to build a 50-unit apartment building that was going to be a rental property. So you actually saw a big shift in developers building that type of product instead of strata condos. And so what I think we're going to see is all of a sudden the demand is going to start to come back to condos, but the supply won't be there. And supply for condos in particular, it takes you know three, four years sometimes for these big condos to develop. And so I think we're actually going to see more demand and the supply will shrink pretty quickly and then there'll be less supply coming onto the marketplace for condos. And so that's where I think that squeeze of an increase in demand and a drop in supply in the condo market would actually see condos increase in value, especially downtown. So so it sounds like your sites for, at least for the lower mainland, it, it seems like you're bullish on the downtown core. I, we know you invest in real estate yourself and uh, you kind of monitor the province Maybe kind of same question. What areas are you excited about just in BC in general, and then maybe expanding to uh, to Canada for investment purposes? Yeah, downtown Vancouver. I like downtown Victoria as well. I actually bought uh, 
a seven unit apartment building in downtown Victoria. And it's one of a few handful of, uh, of properties that are, that are allowed for Airbnb. That's another interesting market because the demand for Airbnb has dropped, but so has the supply of Airbnb properties because a lot of people, when they couldn't Airbnb their units because of COVID, they stuck long-term tenants in their units. And now they can't get rid of the long-term tenants, of course, because the tenancy laws in BC. And so now the supply of Airbnbs is fairly inelastic, meaning that as soon as the demand comes up, it's not like you just boot your tenant and say, hey, sorry, I'm going to make more money Airbnb-ing this place. You got to go. So I think we're going to have a, a really good year moving forward on on that uh, that building. I do like the island. I like a lot of a lot of areas in the island. I think Victoria and Nanaimo and probably Duncan and the area near Qualicum and whatnot and Ladysmith, that, those type of areas. I think those are the, the areas to look at. And Souk is another area that I would look at. Vacation rentals, I'm very interested in, but it's also one of those things where if the economy starts to falter, that is one of the first asset classes that starts to decrease in value. So I'm wondering if we're close to the peak on that or not. Um, it could continue to appreciate if this is a long-term trend where people are going to be working from wherever they, they can get grab internet. You know, if you can go to your cabin and you have internet, then I think people will spend more time at the cabins and that may increase values there. So I'm, I'm a little uncertain about that. It's either a great time to buy cabins or it's perhaps the peak and it might take a couple of years to come back. I'm, I'm not, not certain about that. If you're buying for cash flow in BC, Prince George is an interesting area. It's the major hub of central BC. And, you know, we've got universities there. You've got a lot of uh, blue collar uh, employment there. It's a safe market and the cash flow is good. The, the rents as a function of the purchase prices are much better there than they are in many other areas of BC. And so that area is good. And Kamloops kind of falls in a similar bucket, except it's a bit more expensive. And so the rent versus the price ratio is a little bit worse. But because of proximity to uh, to major urban centers, it's maybe a, a slightly safer safer bet. And then other than that, if I start to, to zoom out and look at the country, I'm, I'm always intrigued by, by multifamily buildings in Edmonton, for instance, but I just don't know if we're at the bottom yet or how long it'll take before those, those values start to, uh, to turn around and appreciate. So I'm, I'm interested in it, but it, I never really see a deal that looks good enough, you know, a, a good deal. It seems like the sellers are just kind of putting their foot down and saying it's this price or bust. One area I see a lot of investors buying in right now is New Brunswick, which is interesting, uh, and Nova Scotia. So I think there's more money flooding over there. I would just a word of caution would be that uh, property management gets really tough when you're three, four, or five hours away in a different time zone. I've had a number of clients that have invested in in the Maritimes before, and the property management will either make or break your deal for sure. So the numbers look really good. But things like the property taxes in New Brunswick are really high. If you buy in certain areas of the Maritimes, sometimes they're oil heated. And the oil heating during the winter can be astronomical. And so if you just look at the rents versus the prices, the numbers are like, oh, man, this is great for cash flow. You've got to do your due diligence on the uh, the other expenses, though, because those things can all of a sudden, when you dive into it, you're like, oh, never mind. It's not really that much better than buying something a little closer to home. That's fantastic. That's a great overview, Kyle. So maybe we'll leave it there, but we do have uh, the section, the five wire, five quick questions. And I know we took longer than we said we would with you, but um, do you have time to stick around for that? Yep. Awesome. Okay. So question number one is, what have you been watching to disconnect over the holiday season? You know what? I'm a geek and I started watching The Expanse and it's pretty cool. Honestly, the, for a TV show, one of the things about sci-fi is is the uh, the budgets for uh, for CGI are always really really weak, 
and the CGI in, in uh, The Expanse is really cool. So if you're a sci-fi buff and you haven't picked up The Expanse, then that's a great show to pick up. Is that Netflix? That one is uh, Prime, Amazon. Right on. I think you're, we know you're a DJ. So this next one will be, will be, uh, will be for you. <laughs> what song has been on repeat lately? And, and some of the DJ music is just always on repeat. Don't they call that <laughs> trance or something? I, I'm, sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm, out of the, I'm out of the loop. I'm old, very old. Yeah, I'll pretend you never said that. Comment. That's okay. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of DJs I'm, I've been really into. Um, I guess the genre I'm listening to the most is probably Deep House. I think that's probably one of the most popular uh, genres right now. But there's a couple of DJs I'm listening to a lot. Uh, Tin Liquor is a DJ I'm really into. Uh, Lane 8, Yotto. And uh, there's another DJ that's fairly recent, but I really like their stuff. And the DJ's name is Marsh. Nice chill stuff if you're just looking for some nice ambient music with melody then uh, then check out marsh right on that's a great one question number three a book you can recommend for our listeners hmm, book um not too long ago uh myself and my uh my brokerage we did a little book club and we read the ultimate sales machine by chet holmes for anybody that has a um is in sales which many of us are um or have a sales department this book was was really good. You know, matter what, any stage of life, you're going to read that and, and take out a lot. In fact, I had read it myself, I think 12 or 13 years ago. And I found myself as I was rereading it. I'm like, oh, that's where that quote came from. That's where that quote came from. Because a lot of the stuff in that book stuck. And I completely forgot that I even read, had read the book a long time ago. But I like it so much that then I, I uh, had my team do a book club on it. And a lot of our brokers implemented a lot of the things from that book. So that was a really cool one. And the other one um, that I'm reading right now with uh, my management team is called Traction. And that one is, uh, I think it's by Gene Wickman. And that one is really good about primarily for, I would say, medium plus size businesses, but it's really good for just structure. How do you do your meetings? How do you have your corporate structure? How do you do your planning? How do you deal with your people? And it's taken a lot of the top things from a lot of these other books, like Good to Great and uh, Scaling Up, et cetera, and kind of put it into one book. Ah, those are fantastic. Do you have a resolution for uh, 2022 that you want to share with us? A resolution? Um, I think I just want my life to be a bit more fun this year, to be completely <laughs> frank. Uh, last year was amazing. Like, if you look at, like, the accomplishments, last year was incredible. We bought a 14-unit apartment building and flipped it. The investor in that project is making about a 25% return on their money, or 20, 25 to 28%. We're just finalizing our numbers now, actually. And annualized that number is about forty six percent annualized return on their on their capital, and wow. uh, myself and the other partner on the deal are, are making a pretty good amount of coin on that one. We bought a seven unit apartment building in in Victoria. Um, I'm going through uh, right now. We're finalizing in a week from now. I'm purchasing another large mortgage brokerage in Vancouver that funded a billion dollars last year. Plus, my team's volumes coming over is an extra three hundred. 20 million or so. So combined, we're about $1.3 billion, which will probably put us in the top five to 10 for all mortgage brokerages in Canada, which is crazy. And not to mention Green Mortgage, our, we funded $240 million last year. And that would be good for, again, about top 10 in Canada for like individual brokers. And that was about our 2019 plus or 2020 volume combined. So accolades wise, awesome. The waistline, not so much, guys. <laughs> you know, I'm not healthy. We haven't, you know, when you don't have as much time, you're not working out as much. And, you know, hockey's on and then it's off again. It's on and it's off again. And and just 
not seeing your friends a lot because of, of not only COVID, but also because of the work requirements and, and commitments. And this type of year puts a lot of strain on personal relationships and your personal health. And it's great to have done all of these accomplishments. But if I'm if I'm being true to myself, I think it was also a lot. And probably in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have bitten off as much as I did. But uh, but this year, the focus is, hey, let's just simplify life again and and try to get back to the things that uh, that make you happy. That's, hey, that, great one. That, that's a good one. Last but not least, Kyle, your best Christmas gift. Pretend like nobody you know who gave you gifts is listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, my best Christmas gift. You know what? My fiance got me this nice green. Of course, it's green, right? My last name is green. Um, a nice green jacket. And uh, I wear it like all the time. I just love that jacket. It's rainproof and it just fits really well. And uh, and I look stiffier in it. So I, I just really love the jacket and I'm wearing it all the time. It's great for this kind of weather. So uh, that's the gift that I'm most, most fond of. Very smart to go with the fiance gift as well. Should add. <laughs> oh, yeah. Check me out on this podcast. You know? <laughs> just because. <just> yeah. <laughs> Right on. Well, how can people find out more uh, about what you guys are doing over at the Green Mortgage Team? Yep. Uh, website. We have a ton of information on our website at uh, www.greenmortgageteam.ca. I do a, a monthly pod, or a monthly um, uh, webinar, and that's on the first Wednesday of every month at 7 p.m. So you can go to our website and sign up for that. You can also watch all of our previous webinars. And so there's I think there's 12 previous webinars that are uh, now up on the website. Lots of really great in-depth information about commercial lending, buying your first five rental properties, the Smith Maneuver, all that kind of stuff, that, that fun stuff. And uh, if you wanted to reach out to us, then you can email us at info at greenmortgageteam.ca or call us at 604-229-5515. Fantastic. Well, as always, Kyle, riveting stuff. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, hope you have more fun this year. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Kyle Green, ace mortgage broker and owner of the Green Mortgage Team. Really enjoyed that conversation with Kyle, Matt. Always great having him on the show. Always great talking about interest rates, variable versus fixed, his favorite investment opportunities, uh, wealth and knowledge. Pleasure to have him on. Yeah. And you know, I feel like every time we talk to somebody in the mortgage world, we always give the variable versus fixed. Sure. Right now feels to me- It's a tricky one. Like the most important time maybe we've we've asked that question. It's, uh, it's definitely a very uncertain moment. And uh, I'm really looking forward to see what the Bank of Canada does next week. And before we cut for the day, I just want to mention our guest next week because I'm so excited to have Lauren Siegel- from Kingswood Properties on the program next week. Uh, this was one of our favorite conversations I think we've had on the show since its uh, origins of about six years ago. And this is not to be missed uh, podcast. You know what? It's uh, the Maybe I'll leave you with this. And I think we kind of mentioned it last week, but I've been thinking about this. This is not, it's, it's about real estate. The yeah. whole conversation is about real estate, but it's kind of about the meaning of life. It is. It is. Uh, it yeah. very much is. It's, uh, and I don't know how we're going to title this show to do it justice, but also it's, it's reflections on a, on a, a lifelong obsession with real estate is what it is. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, it's quite a moving, uh, conversation with Lauren and, uh, super excited to be having that Lauren on the program next week. 
Matt, before we cut for the day, though, how can people find out more at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com? Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website where all things real estate related live. We have things like the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast, which uh, is hosted by Corey Wright. Killing it over there. We have the Livewire. This is our weekly mailer with stats before anyone else. We got deal of the month. We got VIP access for commercial and residential real estate properties. We have the back catalog. There's so many reasons to be on the live wire. We also have, of course, tried and true private client services. Because Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free at your fingertips. I've drank a little bit too much coffee and I'm uh, feeling like the micro machine guy. Remember the micro machine guy? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah anyways, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm talking a little fast. But anyways, it is a fantastic <laughs> way to search for real estate in Vancouver. You head over to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast to create your own account. We can help set that up. And Matt, uh, how can people get in touch with you? Give me a shout at any time, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line because that's always the goal. Info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Well, have a great week, guys. And remember, next week, we're back here with Lauren Siegel, Kingswood Properties. What a show. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Enjoy your week. Stay safe. Take care. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution.
We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.